This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I was kind of jealous of Jordan in a way. I should have known because my pants were not fitting. Twins, that's amazing. And then she was like, oh, and there's a third one here. Being pregnant with triplets was just not a breeze. It was hard. Every second of the day and a lot of the night, you're on. Like, if I can have triplets, I feel like I could do anything. And then the glass ball will drop and I'll be like, oh, that was glass. Picture this. You're a mother of one. You're newly pregnant and you're at your dating scan. The sonographer goes a little quiet. There's not one baby in your tummy. There's not even just the two. You're pregnant with triplets. This is what happened to now mother of four and litigation lawyer, Celia Anderson Cook. I can physically feel what that shock and worry might have felt like, wondering what this means for your babies, what this means for your body, what recovery might look like, and how on earth you return to work after triplets. Here, Celia walks us through it all. The delightful and the demanding, the exhausting and the exhilarating, life that is raising triplets while making work, work. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the clever and capable Celia Anderson-Cook. Celia, we have a lot of ground to cover this morning. I'm so fascinated by your journey. But before we do, could you please introduce yourself and your family? So happy to be here. Um, So my name's Celia. I am a lawyer and I have uh, triplets who are almost 18 months now, Teddy, Eric and Ada. And then I also have a three, almost three and a half year old boy Mads and that's us. I can't wait to get into the moment you discovered you were having triplets but before we do let's talk about your career as a lawyer. Can you take us back to the start and tell us about your journey? Yes so um, I finished high school. I actually didn't get uh, good enough grades to get straight into law so I ended up doing a communications degree because I loved writing. Um, It was creative writing as well and then After a year of that, I managed to work out how to transfer into law and combined my comms degree with a law degree at UTS in Sydney. And yeah, I've just always been interested in law and um, arguing with people. So that (laughs) that I just make a profession of that note. Um, And then finished my degree. And while I was studying, I did like a range of interesting, I thought interesting jobs, actually the the job that I've learnt the most from, I don't know if you feel this way, if you've had this kind of job, is hospitality. I've mm. worked in lots of different cafes and um, loved working in cafes. There's some parts I really miss about it, some parts I definitely don't. Um, and then I worked in for government in like a public policy role type thing and for Twitter at one point in public policy. And then when I finished my degree, I got this job at, Legal Vision, which is a startup tech law firm and worked in their disputes team pretty much from the start. So I just really enjoyed that kind of work. When did talks of starting a family start for you and your partner? And was it something that you always had in the back of your mind? Were you always jostling with how you'd make it work? I feel like I didn't have a chance to really think about how would how I would make it work. We, Me and my partner, Jordan, we met at um, my job at the e-safety office, the government role that I worked in while I was studying. And when I got this job as a lawyer at Legal Vision, we had moved in together to a house, two-bedroom house. And we were like, what are we going to do with that second bedroom? And we are just wondering about that. And then, <laughs> and then it just happened so quickly. We are like, oh, yeah, that's why we have a second bedroom. Um, and, yeah, honestly, we both wanted to have kids but I was so young I was 24 when I got pregnant with Mads and I was really early on in my law career as well and 
I didn't really get a chance to go to like plan out everything. It just happened that way. And I I wouldn't change it for anything. That's just how it happened. And I think it sort of represents just how I do everything. It's just like, Mm. I think the best way for, well, the easiest way for me to learn was just to get into it. That's how I approach new jobs as well. I just like to start and do things. So that's how I approached um, having a family. I just thought I'll just do it and work it out later. So pregnant at 24, was that a surprise for you in terms of, I guess, maybe how you'd planned out your life? Did you think it might happen closer to 30 or were you really comfortable with the idea of starting in your mid-20s? I knew I wanted to have kids young. I didn't think that it would be that young, but um, it was something that I was comfortable with and I just was ready for that challenge also my partner is much older than me he's 40 now so in terms of where we were both at he was obviously mm-hmm. thinking more about having kids sooner rather than later and um I was probably more the one that was saying we should do that sooner rather than later actually he was probably fine waiting um <laughs> I just thought like it, it's it's something that I really wanted to do and um why wait so you're pregnant, you're in this job, a recent graduate. How does pregnancy go for you alongside work? My first pregnancy was just pretty easy. It was really like a standard pregnancy, no complications, just like I barely had any, I was really lucky not to have like, you know, bad morning sickness or huge issues throughout the pregnancy. It was like just a cookie cutter kind of pregnancy basically wow and what life was going to throw at you in the coming years (laughs) surely turned that on its head so then you're a new mum with hindsight it probably felt like a bit of a soft launch into parenting given you went on to have triplets later but tell us about new motherhood how did that go for you it was hard it was COVID straight after Mads was born so it was a really weird time for everybody and then you know, you usually have like mother's groups organised and our, mine just all dwindled off because we barely met up and the WhatsApp groups just kind of ran out. It probably lots of mums have been in that situation. Yeah, it'd be hard if you hadn't made that connection in person yet because that one then drive the connection online, I imagine. That's right. Yeah, you're just sort of sending a few WhatsApp messages. Nobody wants to go out and meet anybody because we're all these fearful new mums with like COVID everywhere and like worried about our babies. So it was really hard time from that perspective. And on reflection, yeah, I did really struggle with like, I think it. I was reflecting on the difference between like my mindset with having one and my first child and then having three. When you just have one, you've got like this perspective that, oh yeah, I see like people just going out with their one child and it looks really easy or they take them to dinner and they just sleep under the table. And that just wasn't my experience at all. I found it really hard and I know lots of people will relate to this. And um, it was because, like, I had this expectation in my mind, but when I had the triplets, it was like doom and gloom. Yeah, you'd expect Everything's going to be so hard. Every And because of that, I wanted to, like, prove a point. I actually ended up going out more with my four kids than I did, I found, than I did with my first one. I don't know why the psychology is for that, but I did. I found it really hard. And I was also... A lot of my friends didn't have kids yet and then I didn't have like a consistent sort of mother's group. So, yeah, I just found it hard to kind of work out who I was in in this new world and like Mm. find my crew. And so what did maternity leave look like for you? How long did you take off? I took off around six or seven months with Mads and then he went to childcare, started childcare, and I was really like excited to get back to work because they'd um, set up a new role for me when I returned. So yeah, we started him in childcare, which was, we were really fortunate to find a place that we just clicked with and it was right around the corner. So, so grateful for that. And yeah, it was like most people who have to initiate their child into childcare, especially during winter, it was was like a July or something. It was full on with the sickness and just yeah the rocky few first few months where I was sort of in a new role Mads was in childcare, was navigating that 
And um, yeah, I was kind of jealous of Jordan in a way when, he, you know, at the start at least, he could just go to work and know that I was taking care of Mads and I didn't, he didn't need to get him ready or drop him off or anything. He could just literally leave the house and go to work. And yeah, that wasn't the same experience. That's such a good point when the mother or the primary caregiver returns to work or if they mm. do, there's so many more logistics. It's not the same as a dad two weeks after the baby's born being like, all right, see you later. I'm off. Yeah. Cause there's this comfort knowing that your other, your partner is looking after your kids. I notice my mindset when I can leave the kids with Jordan um, and go to work. I'm like, just have no anxiety (laughs) like I just have much less anxiety than when I have to leave them with somebody else um, or leave them at childcare or whatever um, especially in those early days so yeah that was hard and how were your emotions while you settled into work was there a sense of dread and being on a hamster wheel and just feeling like you were always chasing tail or did you feel really excited to be back doing paid work I was excited to come back and I'm just trying to cast my mind back to that person that I <laughs> that I was. It's so hard. I feel like I'm a completely different person now than I like thinking about who I was back then is so strange. It was really hard time. I remember coming back and thinking I really wanted to pump because I was still breastfeeding at that point. And I'd have to like organize a meeting room to then pump milk in the meeting room. And then I wasn't even producing that much anyway and then I was like I felt like which a bit turns of a into failure. a vicious cycle doesn't it because yeah. then it's stress which isn't good for your milk production yeah exactly so much going on the whole pumping thing is one thing that I never would have appreciated the stress around that before we, I nearly started this podcast while I was trying to conceive and I did a few interviews and I'm so glad that I didn't start it until I was a mum because now that fills me with dread and anxiety thinking about you organizing, booking into a meeting room, trying to get enough milk to then take home to your baby. Yeah, it's hard. It's so like hard. I don't even know why. I wish someone just told me like you don't need to do that. It's okay. <laughs> Hindsight is a beautiful thing. I remember pumping in the lead up to a wedding, pumping, 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 and then just looking back and being like he could have had a bottle of formula just, on those times. Yeah, just enjoy the wedding. Yeah, so if anyone takes, exactly, enjoy the wedding. Stop bloody pumping. So if anyone takes anything from this episode, I think it's that hindsight. God, you learn a lot from going through it the first time. Yeah, and it's not like I wouldn't do it if I went back. It's just like it's just a helpful thing that I'm glad I know now that, you know, just putting things into perspective. Like, And I don't think you can really stop yourself from doing some of those things because you're, like, I feel like we have these, um, just emotions and these like innate things from being a mum that like the mum guilt thing that it's just it's like it's hard to turn off it's like mm. innate in you um, that men just don't have as much or at all it's so unfair yeah it's sort of like innate <laughs> and then society as well and it just sort of like pushes yeah. down on you and you can be so illogical and you know it at the time but you can't yeah. help it because you're just trying to do your best Yeah, exactly. So then you decide to add to your family. Yes. Massive curveball, a great (laughs) curveball, but at the time I could imagine a huge curveball. Can you tell us about the moment that you found out you had triplets growing inside of you? Yeah, it was a real moment. Um, (laughs) I can tell you that we, I had this, I knew I was pregnant and I remember being like, Mads, you're going to have a sibling. This is so exciting. And I, we were going to, me and Jordan were going to the first ultrasound. He almost wasn't going to come. He was like, oh, I'm should I come? I'm going to take time out of work. <laughs> I'm so glad he did. I would have like, had a, yeah, it would have been awful. And also I feel like he wouldn't believe me unless he saw them there, you know, on the screen. Mm. So we walked in and I just had this feeling. I don't know what I said to Jordan, but I had this feeling of like confidence there was things that I did the first time around that I was like so ready not to do this second time around and I was like I'm just feeling like this is going to be easy the picture in my head was you know we're walking man's to the park and I've got you know the baby in my carrier and it's super chill it's easy I know what I'm doing like you know it I just felt confident and I walked in there and it was just like mind blown literally just lying down there I should have known because my pants had already like were not fitting and this was like a 
seven week scan. Yeah. yeah, but you hear that you grow quicker the first, uh, the second that's, time. That's so exactly what I thought. Like, why mind. would I think anything different? I don't have any multiples in my family. Oh, wow. No history of it. No history. And the ultrasound technician was quiet and I was like that's bad news like you know you just all those seconds just like between them putting it on your stomach and talking to you just feel like forever and she broke the silence by saying how did you conceive and me and Jordan were like that is such an odd question like why are you asking us that we're like spontaneously yeah Yeah. like she she was thinking IVF and like yeah just spontaneously like um just happened on a Wednesday night do you want to know any other details like yeah like (laughs) do you want to know more so odd and then she was like okay because this is what I can see so there's one here like yeah heartbeat and she's like and there's another one here and we're like twins that's amazing like oh so good and then she was like oh and there's a third one here and I was just like this just hand on my head and I was like please stop counting and she was like I'm just going to check there's not another one and I was like please don't find any more quadruplets would also be amazing I was just like completely in shock and Jordan was laughing he just thought it was so funny he thought it was a miracle he was smiling and I was like so he was genuinely excited not even a bit of sort of he just thought like you know in your relationship when one person like has high anxiety the other person calms down like it was one of those moments where he knew he had to be like the chill like he just knew and he was like he was like this is a miracle this is great and I was like just you know frozen I remember she was like can you, I had to go to the toilet and because she had to do a different type of scan and like it took an hour she had to get her supervisor in she was clearly like not prepared for this she was like never scanned triplets before and I was like it was a whole ordeal and I was just staring at the wall like, oh, my gosh, like just your thoughts just go into this spiral. I was in a panic spiral of like, how are we going to do it? How's my body going to do this? There's no doctor there in the room. You just have an ultrasound. You just get told you're having triplets and then. Yeah. And then you just walk off. Then they're just like, okay, deal with that information. And yeah, I just went into a spiral of like, I needed to work out everything that night. I was like, I need to know, do we, are we going to move house? Are we going to. Like what prams do we get? What do what car do we need? Like I was just rattling off questions, and Jordan was like, "Okay, we're gonna write this all down. Just calm down. It's gonna be okay." He was really, um, yeah. He just brought me down to like. You just need to be that person in that time. I would have played the role that you played, especially you're the one carrying it. So carrying them, it's a lot more fear around it. And I don't know what the science is, but I, I've heard of doctors saying before that there is more risk carried when you have multiples. Was this something that was brought to your attention early, later, or is this a bit of a myth that I've heard? I knew just because you know like that having three in your body is going to be so much more risky than having just one. And um, it, it's also about the type. I kind of knew this from the beginning. I don't know why, but she worked out from the first scan that they all had their own stacks and placentas so they didn't share anything I never even thought of that you have three placentas growing inside of you as well yes yes so there are types where you can share one placenta I went to my doctor you know the earliest appointment I could get and she I'm so glad I had a good GP she was like can you handle this because if you can't there's like there's a way that we can deal with this she was really thoughtful about that she was implying like reduction but we were just we were like no I think I just had in my mind like this my body was meant to carry these babies like they Mm. they were created for a reason and I just believed that they would be okay and that's sort of how I got through the entire pregnancy um without getting too anxious because you do need to know like all the risks and I sort of got a high level understanding of them all up front and then I didn't want to know about them again mm. I was like unless something comes up I don't Park want to that. know about it yeah like obviously you're highly monitored when you have multiples so at nine weeks I went to see like a specialist um gynecologist is that the right one yeah I imagine a gyno or an obstetrician yeah yes yeah. obstetrician and at the hospital and they usually don't see people that early but just to understand the risks and are asking like 
should I do anything differently? Like, do I need to like take extra tablets or something? He was like, no, it's just normal pregnancy, except you have three. Wow. You're just going to be weighted down a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. He was like, you're just, you just have three. I mean, they're all separate in their own space. And yeah, the issue is, will be um, they're going to run out of space inevitably. Wow. So what does care look like for multiples? What was the difference? And were you in the public system, I imagine, if you were seeing a GP? They probably wouldn't let me do the private system because... Because um, you need a tertiary hospital for the birth, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, of course. And just the right doctors will always be at the public sort of hospitals. So it looked like uh, every um, few weeks I would get scanned and it would take a really long time, take like an, over an hour because we'd go there so often, um, we knew who the like fast people were. We'd like be really excited to get, you know, that person because they they were really good at like doing a quick scan of all three of them and like measuring everything. Because when you're lying down, especially as it got closer to the end, I got so nauseous lying down. Oh, so much pressure. So I'd have to ask them to like tilt me up as high as possible. So except for the more frequent scans and I would never see I actually never saw a midwife during the whole pregnancy I only saw um doctors that would be the only difference really and I would go to the hospital on the yeah regularly every few weeks how did you navigate work at this time did you make a mat leave plan that came a bit earlier than you thought yeah I did have to talk to them about taking time off I was really grateful to have such a supportive work environment like I don't think I could work anywhere as a litigation lawyer I could but like legal vision has just been so generous and so thoughtful and like I've had such supportive managers that I'm able to do really interesting work whilst also you know supporting me during this really difficult time Mm -hmm. and being pregnant with triplets was just not a breeze it was hard how was it telling people emotionally even bringing that up at work, being like trying to be professional but also navigating so much fear and stress and physical stress. How did you navigate all of that? I found like work to be a bit of a sanctuary for me. Like I didn't have to talk about everything with the people that I worked with, with clients. I didn't really, like I just didn't tell them that I was pregnant with triplets and that what I was going through, I just dealt with the issues they were having. Um, and it distracted me from what was going on. It was actually mm. great. You know, when you're going through that that kind of thing, sometimes you just want the distraction. You don't want to have to talk about your life all the time because <laughs> I already do that enough with, you know, your friends, your family, your anybody who I'm seeing on the weekend. Like inevitably this is like a, a big talking point. And people that run into you in the street and make comments about how many you're yes. carrying probably. Yes, and they'd be like, you're about to give birth any day and it'd be like actually I've got like months to go <laughs> like uh, I pretty much from 20 weeks looked like I was full term so I got lots of like you're ready to pop and I'm like nope no, not I'm exactly. not. I just have three of them in there wow <laughs> so how did you feel physically physically it's funny how our brains work where once you give birth you kind of forget I feel like I've I'm almost disconnected from that person yeah I just remember how tired I was though. I was so tired. Did you feel like there was being more taken out of you? Because obviously there literally yeah. was. So you felt that? Yeah. I had to have like iron transfusions at the end as well, which was probably the reason why I was tired. I had low iron. And luckily I didn't have any major issues. Like I didn't have to be bedridden. The babies were born at 34 weeks and five days, which is a really long time for triplets. and except for like the exhaustion and like the, I had like pups rash on my stomach close to the end. It was just, everything was really hard and having a toddler as well when you're pregnant with triplets. I think like the idea of being (laughs) pregnant again as a mother of one is daunting, (laughs) let alone knowing you have three coming. So I can totally empathize with that. So you're getting close to the birth. You know that it's going to come earlier or that they are going to come earlier than Mads would have, or I assume that Mads would have. How how do they plan for that? What's the birth plan? The birth plan is, the birth plan for me was um, 
just week by week see how it goes like honestly it was they check everything very closely in every scan so they'd be looking for things um measuring things measuring the fluid all that sort of stuff measuring my cervix whether it was shortening so unless there was anything to trigger going sooner it, the plan was just keep going until something happened and obviously with multiples you have a higher risk of um going into premature labor so I was you know prepped for you know if anything happens you need to call the hospital this is what you need to do this is what you need to look out for and it was a really big milestone to get over to get past like 24 weeks I think it was oh wow so the pressure's on from pretty much halfway I mean it was on from the day you found out but the pressure really starts to mount about halfway because you have a high risk of having a miscarriage of one of the babies being born like a still um, birth so many things that you're just on the edge ready for tragedy it's sad to say and I obviously hence why I was like trying to distract myself from it because there's nothing you can do about it like it just it's either going to happen or it's not but it is anxiety inducing and those scans were really anxiety inducing like it was a really big relief coming out of them every time of being told they're all fine they're all growing really well no one's like slowed in growth they're all growing evenly that was just like a big relief every time. Mm. And then at 34 weeks and five days, I gave birth to them. And it was the week before I basically just put my foot down. I was like, what's the plan? Because I cannot, like, I'm not sleeping. I'm, I can't do this any longer. I'm huge. And I know nothing's like, there's no sort of big trigger, but we need like an end plan here because I just can't go any further. Oh, it's uncomfortable enough being 34 weeks with one baby. Yeah, it was like I was like 60 weeks pregnant. That's what I looked like. It was huge. (sighs) And I had almost six kilos of baby inside me, not to like add to the placentas and stuff as well. So I was heavy and I was just tired and I was done. I was so done. I was like, just (laughs) take them out. And I, I could feel that they were ready to. I just knew that like we needed to move this along. So then one thing I actually didn't ask you before the show is if you're comfortable talking about the birth. So you can tell me if you're not, but if you are, I'd love to hear. Yeah, no, happy to talk about it. I actually was on the Australian Birth Stories podcast, so I've unpacked it all for Sophie as well. Basically, we got, I got admitted, it was still COVID at that time. So another big anxiety-inducing thing was Jordan's not going to be able to be in the delivery room because one of us gets COVID or something happens so we're really like locked down for the few weeks leading up to the birth and I imagine premature babies smaller babies because you're going through all of that going through your mind knowing that COVID's the backdrop of all this oh yeah so concerning and we got admitted and they were basically saying like there's no space for you to deliver your babies like there's no booking so I have no idea how a hospital works but they were going to put me through the emergency pathway even though there wasn't like a huge emergency but they did pick up that Ada who was down the bottom had like slightly slowed growth and also seemed like she was in a bit of distress not like emergency got to go now but um, enough to sort of say all right I think we should do this and I was like yeah I think we should do it so the doctor who I saw she was really keen to do the birth and she managed to organize it for the following day and yeah I had an anesthetist come and speak to us and mostly they just said like it's going to take a I had a cesarean with my firstborn and so I was having a cesarean obviously with the triplets and they were like it's going to be pretty similar to your first cesarean um, just be a bit longer and a couple more babies come out is cesarean a given for three while we're on that? Or can you try, if if you went vaginal the first time, can someone try and push out three babies? Yeah. Wow. It's possible. It's possible. Um, it didn't cross my mind. Like it wasn't something that I was going to consider at all. I would be going down the cesarean route for three babies too. So yeah. I absolutely understand that. And also um, it was, they wouldn't have recommended it at all because Ada was breached, so she was the lowest she was just completely the wrong position so it just wouldn't have worked and so we yeah we're in the waiting room to before the surgery and they were asking if I had any questions and the only thing that I had asked them about was making sure they didn't mix them up because inside me 
it's obviously two boys and one girl. I had named the boys Aww. from them their movements inside me yeah. and knew which one was going to be Eric and which one was going to be Teddy. And I was like, please don't mix them up because, you know, they've got their names. And it's so funny thinking now because I'm so glad they didn't mix them up because they are exactly their names. Like Eric is like, he just embodies his name. Teddy is like a little cuddly bear. Like he's just the cuddliest little boy. And I couldn't imagine them having the other name. So strange. Anyway. Isn't that amazing as well when they're triplets? Yeah. They're such different people. Like, yeah, they're so different and it's, yeah, interesting concept of like naming. Obviously Ada is a girl. She's the distinguished one. But with when you have two of the same gender, working out who's going to have which name is like a weird thing to think about. So, yeah, the surgery went well, really straightforward. Um, the babies only needed oxygen for a few hours. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing for 34 and 5, I imagine. Yeah, it is really amazing. And Jordan was obviously in the room with me. He was going back and forth between like sort of talking to me and holding my hand. And I also had the anaesthetist there like looking after me and going to the babies. And then they sort of brought them over. They brought Ada over like right next to my face, but the boys had to have a bit of oxygen. So they just wheeled past in the um, incubator type things. So I could wave at them. Um, And then they had to go straight to the nursery and Jordan went with the babies which was our plan and then I was by myself with like the doctors and in the recovery room and then I was put up on the ward and at that point the pain relief had like stopped working essentially I was just in I went from like being okay to like being at a nine out of ten pain like that sort of pain where you just go into a different place like for me I don't, I'm not an external, um, I internalize it and like, I just like have to stare at something. Can I just go into a different mental place to deal with the pain? And there's no one there to advocate for me because it was COVID. I could only have one person. Jordan was with the babies, which is what I wanted. I didn't want them to be alone. And and you can't exactly get up and go I find was just, someone. No, I was just pushing the button. I was pushing the button and somebody would come in and they'd be like, okay, I'll get the doctor. And then the doctor would never come and I'd push the button. <laughs> and I was like, I am, yeah, I'm in like a nine out of 10 pain right now. I've literally can feel like, I feel like I've been stabbed. And it was such a busy night at the hospital. I ended up like texting Jordan. I was like, you have to come back because I just can't do this on my own and Mm. finally after a few hours which felt like forever the pain was dealt with managed and they were like do you want to go see your babies and I was like yes I do and um it was like I think the surgery was about three o'clock and then I didn't get to see them till about 10 p.m so it was quite a while I obviously couldn't get out of the bed so I had to wheel the whole bed down to the nursery and that's where that iconic photo is from um, of me that is just all the three babies having like um, skin to skin time on my chest yeah, on that was chest. I know that, that night and I've never like it was just it was so emotional for me what was the overriding feeling was it relief and then love or love then relief what came first just both you're just feeling like it's just this big sigh we like okay I did it <laughs> And this was, it was meant to be this way. And they were all on my chest. It just felt amazing. Like, I just felt like, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I made these three little babies. Like, I just couldn't, I was in disbelief that they were so big. And even Jordan said that when he saw them, he was like, how did they fit inside you? Like, they, obviously they were tiny, but (laughs) just like. But not for sort of the context. No. Yeah, Mm. they were 1.9, 2.1, 1.9, 2.1, and 2.3 kilos when they were born. Wow. My son was 2.6 at 35 and 6. So that's wow. pretty incredible. You had nearly yeah. that in you just with one of them. Yeah. How long did you stay in hospital and what were those early days like? I stayed for five days and then the baby stayed for 19 days. And, yeah, it was really hard being the, having your babies in the NICU. I was so fortunate to only have them there for the 19 days because I heard so many stories about obviously more premature especially in the multiples community 
you know, spending months in the NICU. And yeah, they really spent only a few days in the NICU. And then most of the time was in special care, like feeding and growing and that kind of thing and helping me to learn how to twin breastfeed. And how did that go? Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot learning how to, I breastfed obviously with my first. So at least I knew a little bit about how it was supposed to feel. And from the start, I really wanted to learn how to do two at a time because I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do it unless I learn how to do two at the same time. So mm. every, every time we would go to the NICU, to the special care unit um, twice a day, once for two different feeds because um, they obviously had feeds on a schedule, once at like 11, once after my toddler was asleep around 8 o'clock and every time we would go for their feed and I would do a twin sort of feed and I would just get, I would call the lactation consultant, get the midwife. I would have like two or three people helping me do it yeah. Um, because I was just like, they, they need to learn how to do it. I need to learn how to do it. It was like a mission from the get-go for me. Like I was just like, I just need this to work so that when I get home, I can do it by myself. So then you get home, your toddler's there, who yep. obviously is your firstborn, who you also want to divide your attention between. Yeah. How did this all work? And how often was your toddler at daycare? What was Jordan able to take off in these unusual circumstances? He um, probably took off maybe two or three weeks, just completely no work. And then because of the nature of his work, he could work from home, which was great before. And he had such a supportive boss at the time. So worked out a, an arrangement where he was working from home and it was really challenging. There was, gosh, how do I even start to explain what it mm. looked like? It was like um, a production line every every second of the day and a lot of the night you're on. Like there's no, like you couldn't be, not not lazy is the right word, but um, there was no sense of sitting on the couch with one baby just asleep in your arms like you mostly get on. I mean, not mostly. I know people have really challenging mat leaves, but there was none of that yes. downtime side of mat leave. Yes. There was no point where you could just be like, oh, I just won't like wash the bottles. I'll just like lie down and watch this TV show, which is what I really wanted to do. It was like, if you don't do that thing, if you don't wash the bottles, then you're like completely screwed like everything just throws off balance like mm -hmm. I can't emphasize enough how much like we had to like you had to once you got them asleep you had to think about when they wake up what are you going to do and set up that thing that was how it was like I'm going to pick up Mads after that so I have to set up like his dinner because I won't be there to like at that time I'll be doing this and so it was just like one thing done set up next thing one thing done set up the next thing it was very much like um, before we'd go to bed, the bottles would all be made and set up. And that's still how we approach now. Like we reset the entire kitchen at night. Everything's set up in the morning. Like it, it's critical to survival wow. with that many kids. As a mother of one, I found that after a few months was when I actually sort of crashed and burned. I think those mm. hormones get you through in the early days. What was the crash and burn like for you? When did it come? Do you just constantly feel depleted even now? Absolutely. You have that like crash and burn. I think I did around maybe four or five months. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's still going. I don't know. It's just like you're just constantly um, on. Everything, is, everything mm. is a challenge and I wouldn't change it for the world because they're, it's just amazing. Me and Jordan both still like we'll look at them and be like, we made, how did you make three babies at once? And how do we have four kids? Like, how is that? <laughs> I how? can't even imagine. You must just look on in wonder. So I know we spoke before we started recording about that you've taken a break from work for now. Did you return to work though after the triplets or is that parked for now and you will one day? I have returned to work. I came back last year in November. So I came back and worked two and a half days I'm still doing that now and that's semi working but also 
like I really enjoy going to work. I've loved going to the office. We got a nanny who we just love and trust with the baby so much. Obviously, it was really difficult thinking about childcare arrangements with even just triplets. dropping three off far out, let alone the costs and whatnot. Exactly, people just don't consider the the stress of dropping like four kids off at childcare. Mm. Like the stress of like getting all their backpacks ready and like the childcare where Mads was going, um, it had stairs, didn't have like a ramp entrance. So the, the thought of me having to like work out a way if I was doing this by myself to take one kid up there and then another kid and then the screaming. And I was like, I just don't want that for my life, for my day. I'm not ready for that. Mm. I didn't even, it, like just thinking that through, I just automatically like scratch that off the list of sort of childcare options and so grateful to find a nanny that meant I felt comfortable going to work and going to the office. And it was such a relief to have those days. I joked that like Monday, Tuesday was my weekend. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. You get in there, clock on and be like, (laughs) all right, this is a holiday. (laughs) Go get my lunch. Oh my gosh, it was luxury luxury just like getting my coffee you know yeah and so we've talked a lot about the challenges I imagine there's some incredible positives besides just looking on in wonder what are some of the most amazing parts of having triplets the most amazing thing is that they just firstly like just with them they the way they interact with each other now especially then 18 months and they're going to be doing even more of that obviously as they grow up Um, I can just see that the bonds are forming like Eric and Ada just constantly like we'll find like if one of them's crying we'll find the dummy and like go give it to the other kid who's crying and just little things like that which make you yeah your heart just swell there's such a joy and Mm. I'm so grateful for them because not just because of who they are and like that I get to enjoy these four amazing children but for what they've done for me, I feel like I could do anything. I just feel much more confident in myself, like thinking about who I was with my first child and who I am now. Yeah. I'm a totally different person. Do you think it almost helped your confidence to return to work in a way? I mean, I mean, in one breath, yeah. I imagine you're sort of like, how on earth are we actually going to do this? But in another, you're like, well, we got through the first year of parenting triplets and four kids. We can do it. Absolutely. I was like... I could do that. I could, yeah, I can do it. I can work it out. We can we'll work something out because we worked this out, you know, and I've, yeah, I feel like a totally changed person. I feel really confident. I feel like I can do anything. I just mm. feel like they've given that to me. Um, that's sort of as a gift and I'm really grateful for what they've done for me. It's such an incredible story. I could ask you a million questions, but I will move on to the listener questions now because we did have a few and a lot of people were just excited to hear how on earth you do it all. So the first (laughs) one is how can others support their friends or family who are expecting multiples? I know you advocate a lot for the support that parents of multiples need. What are some ways that friends and family can get around them? So when the triplets were about seven months, I joined the board of the Australian Multiple Birth Association, which is a charity that supports families like mine. And one of the first things I did was help with their advocacy work. Currently in Australia, you don't don't get any extra parental leave if you have twins or triplets. Um, That blows my mind. It blows my mind that the government doesn't consider twins as a multiple birth currently, which really is so frustrating for our twin community especially where only 1.4% of births and like there are four over just over 4,000 a year, such a small percentage. And yet we just don't look after our multiples community like other countries in the OECD. We're currently ranking second last of 47 OECD countries when it comes to support for multiple birth families. What's the gold standard while we're on that? What's a country doing it well and what are they doing? There's like countries even like Peru and Chile, they offer additional parental leave. There's an acknowledgement that if you have multiples, you're going to have higher 
pregnancy complications, high risk of pregnancy complications, you're going to probably take maternity leave earlier. Um, you need extra hands-on support. You have two newborns, mm. um, you know, at least you might have more and you need extra people at home, whether that's your partner. So you need extra parental leave for them. Um, but inevitably we know that parents of multiples take more time off and they need mm. that time to at the bare minimum, just that whatever, <laughs> yeah. whenever you're giving birth, just those six weeks or whatever, whatever that early period is. That's right. And there's just no acknowledgement at the moment that that's something that we might need. And other countries also provide um, like an upfront payment to go towards a financial shock. Obviously, twins actually cost, according to our report, five times more than a singleton, not twice as wow. much five times and then triplets 13 times as much which oh, my bank my account word. can agree with and times I would never have guessed that actually because sometimes I think if you're buying one lot you think maybe twins would be say one and a half times the amount I've never thought of yes that. because so many reasons why but currently the government treats a family with four kids the same way as they would treat my family and we have a completely different financial kind of position because we have to buy all this equipment up front we needed a car that was seventy thousand dollars rather than like our forty thousand dollar car so many different equipment needs different childcare needs you know obviously the clothes the everything but we're treated i am treated by the government as if i just had one child and i cannot tell you how different the experience was and it it's been really frustrating and i know a lot of parents in the multiples community agree how frustrating it is. So one thing that people can do is support us by there's the Australian Multiple Births Instagram page. You can click on the links in the bio to sign our petition or send an email to your local MP. Um, basically, there's a template there. It literally takes a few minutes and to, you know, ask for some more support from the government. I'm actually going to meet with some more um, MPs in the coming weeks to talk about these issues. So it would mean a lot to me and our community. Wow, just another spinning plate to add to your already very important <laughs> work, but I love that. Like just making it's yourself so busier. important to me. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And so the next person who asked a few questions is a litigation lawyer. Their first question is how you manage boundaries when you have external pressures, such as a court deadline or client demands. That's a great question. It is a really um, hard job to have when you have a family as well. I'm so grateful to have such a supportive team and manager. So sometimes it just works. Like the the days that you are working, I ended up like doing a sort of, I was working on a litigation recently and the sort of court appearance thing that I had to do just happened to fall on my day of work. So it worked out really nicely. And I felt like it felt really good to be able to do something meaningful. But sometimes it doesn't work. You have to hand things over to somebody else to follow on from you or I have to do a short task on a day that I, that isn't my work day then I sort of make up for it on another day by taking a bit of time off so it's important to me because I really love this career and this work to make it work but it's not it's not a perfect career for family for sure it helps to have a really supportive team and manager though. Have you also had to do a little self-work I guess around not feeling guilty for things that you can't control? Yeah, I don't feel guilty. I don't have mum guilt. Like if I'm going to do something fun for myself, I just like I don't have an ounce of that anymore. I used to with like my first child, but I'm like. You know that you need it now. You know that it's important. It's so important. It's so important. It's just I know that it makes me a better parent. What about the work guilt side? If a litigation or a court deadline fell on the day when you weren't working, are you able to remove the guilt from that too? Yeah, I honestly don't have a perfect answer for that because that is really hard and something that I'm still struggling with myself. Like I have to at times ask my manager who in law, like you're I'm at a lower hourly rate. Obviously my manager is a higher hourly rate. Sometimes she has to do things that I should really be doing just to help kind of bridge the gap, which obviously has business implications. So I am working on a different arrangement to try and do a, a job share arrangement with my 
colleague who has just come back from maternity leave and also wants to work part-time. And I feel like I'm trying to make an arrangement where we can both work on a matter and we have crossover. This would be like the dream arrangement for everyone, right? Where we can yeah. all like um, someone can take over when you and someone who understands. are not working and someone who gets it understands you're both working on the same thing. Like I think if more workplaces could be more thinking outside the box for people like me and people who are in these sorts of positions who need these flexible working arrangements but want to do interesting work like I don't want to be moved into sort of a non-client facing role that's not as interesting um, if we think a bit more laterally we can keep these people in jobs and still utilize them and it can be beneficial to everybody I just feel like we maybe think so like society and the way businesses and law firms work, especially we think so like one track minded when I think we could be more open to different solutions to these challenges. It's so interesting too, because I feel like we talk about how family matters more than anything, but still in a corporate environment, we still act like it doesn't exist. It doesn't. We pretend we're not mothers. We pretend we're just professionals when we're at work. But we pretty much all have families in some capacity at home, even if someone has chosen not to be a parent. We all have commitments to people we love in some capacity outside of it. It's so weird that we still ignore that and don't make space for that. Yeah, like what are you trying to prove? Like who are you trying to be? As a, like a lawyer giving a service and also you know, thinking about how I receive services from other kind of professional firms or whatever, I appreciate when they let me in to say like oh look I'm actually at home sick and I can't respond to you I'd be like that's fine totally like get I it. get it I was there last week <laughs> yeah like I wouldn't expect other people to put me before their own family mm. as a customer for their business so like why don't we just relax a little bit about that mm. like why can't we just have normal expectations of people and really support families Mm. properly and actually put our money where our mouth is as opposed to pretending yeah exactly how do you identify which balls are plastic and can be dropped and which ones are glass and need to be held up when everything feels like a glass ball is the second question from this lawyer <laughs> everything feels like a glass ball that is totally true um <laughs> so I true. usually don't know and then the glass ball will drop and I'll be like oh that was glass and, um, <laughs> get the vacuum out <laughs> get the vacuum out yeah it's it's not perfect honestly you're um, making it up as you go along and you will get it wrong I think it's important yeah. to know that like you you might muck up but no one's gonna die so don't be so hard on yourself don't be so hard on yourself because yeah I felt like it's actually really hard to know in the moment which ones are plastic and which ones are glass mm. To me, um, my family comes first and I'll never regret the time that I spend with my family. And here is <laughs> my son joining right now. Hello. Hello. <laughs> you can't hear me, can you? No, you can't. He's like, what's going so on? Cute. So I'm the next nice. question from this lawyer or the next question is how do you deal with things like sickness when you might have a court deadline, but you have to deal with an unwell child, as you just said, you'll always put your family first. Again, having a really good team because I've got um, my manager is a mum herself and we would just never prioritise, like family is priority and she gets that. It's not, I don't have the, I'm so lucky not to have that sort of pressure where I have to explain to my boss that I have a sick mm. child and that's important to me yeah. we don't even need to have that conversation <laughs> we're just yeah. like it's just so important to have a mentor that cares and understands and a partner that supports my career as well and wants yeah. me to succeed too so you know it's just a conversation that we have between each yeah. other clear line of communication with all the different Party people involved. in your life it sounds like yeah yeah exactly. and how do you find the time so you just said that you never worry about feeling selfish or the mum guilt which I think is so huge and so important but how do you actually find the time when you have triplets and a three-year-old it can be really small moments so you can have um you know you just in their nap time like just putting on really trash TV and folding laundry. Sometimes that's my sanctuary time. Um, but children, me and Jordan, we just know that we both need that 
kind of time where we're alone with our friends and you know just doing things that make you feel like a normal human again Mm. like that base standard level of stuff um so we'll take turns like one person will go out with the you know do something fun um one night or Jordan will go out or we regularly have people who babysit and we both go out and try and have a regular date night um we don't have a regular routine around that but you know we've got some great people my family um have been incredible who will who are willing to babysit my children and I'm so grateful for that because we just desperately need that time to just reconnect and remember that we had this relationship just me and him before we had like four kids in between it's hard to imagine that though isn't it (laughs) after you have kids it's like I can't believe we just existed just the two of us yeah it's just we're totally different people as well so it's just we're learning who we are now and like what our relationship will look like because we gen like I genuinely grieved um after having triplets our relationship and also just our little family that we had just me Jordan and Mads and then grieved just me and Jordan and yeah it's been a real like mental um journey I cannot even imagine it's almost like in the early days you need to force the time out well, you get used to the guilt and get used to carving out that time from a logistical point of view. And then once you do it a few times and you feel the benefits of it, you realise that you actually can't live without it almost. Once you accept that you as a human need some basic needs, like you need to, you know, like you need to eat, you actually need to have some me time and to socialise. Once you accept that, the guilt just goes away because you're like, no, this is something I genuinely need to be able to come home and be mm. the parent that I need to be. And it's so important that I am in a mental place to be that parent because I have four children I'm in charge of. And um, the way, like, I'm I'm critical to the day going smoothly. So if I don't put myself in that mindset and I need to be really selfish about that, then, you know, I'm jeopardising the sort of sanctum of the day I don't even know better than feeling guilty about cracking it because you've had absolutely no time for yourself isn't it exactly and like the fact that you need to choose between those it's like yeah never ending my last question from a listener is how you manage the feeling which is pretty on topic of what we're speaking about how you manage the feeling of being split in three four or five even when you include your partner constantly that is a great question because I do feel like that a lot um I don't know if my brain like physically changed after having triplets, but I have this, and I know me and Jordan have talked about this because he doesn't feel this way, but I have this weird ability to be like able to turn everything down like volume wise and I can focus on, you know, the thing that I need to do and just see the whole bigger picture. Yeah. Um, so like if multiple people are crying I've already got like a plan of like if multiple kids are crying, always go for the one that's crying the least and soothe them first because the one that's crying the most will take the longest to soothe. So you start with the one that's crying the least and then move on. And that's how I attack pretty much everything. I just have a plan and kind of um, move through it. If you get, sort of overwhelmed by the noise and the like everything's going on at once you will just not survive so I've just made like a new way of thinking where it's like you have to be regimented it's one at a time you have to I'm used to babies crying and it doesn't throw me off I just have a plan and like you keep sort of moving through it and that's that's great advice because in the bigger picture the perspective like everyone will be fine everybody will sleep this will be over. Like yeah. all this too shall pass. I love that and, saying. Um, yes, you do have to have that in your mind at all times. Celia, I've loved hearing your story. It is amazing. It's quite unique. I don't think you need me <laughs> to tell you that. You do share and advocate for parents of multiples on your Instagram account. Where can people find you before we go? Yeah, they can follow me on um, my name, Celia, S-I-L-G dot A-C. That's my handle on Instagram. 
And um, you can also follow the Australian Multiple Births Association page on Instagram as well if you want updates on our advocacy. I'll help update that as well. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.